0: Hey everybody, I'm Larry Little, and you're listening to Crossing the Line, a podcast where I talk with people about the moments in their life when they cross that line from leading with their head to leading with their heart, and then from leading with their heart to leading with their head. Today on the show, I'm having a conversation with one of my favorite people uh, and a dear friend. His name is Quentin Riggins. Uh, Quentin is an incredible leader, um, he has incredible influence in, in his community. He's an executive. Uh, With Alabama Power Uh, But he has a a tremendous story to tell And he's a great storyteller I love listening uh, To Quentin He's got some, some wisdom and insight that you just don't hear every day, and he's going to talk about some, some pretty difficult things that he's experienced in his life, and he's so open and transparent, vulnerable, if you will, that I just think you're going to have a ton of takeaways from, from this podcast. So I'll stop talking. Let's jump in, but make sure you pay attention. I think you're really going to enjoy, and I think you're going to find some really good things that will help you in your leadership. All right, let's jump into that conversation now. I do not believe it's happening. I'm actually talking to my dear friend, Quentin Riggins, and it's it's been a minute since we have been together for any length of time, but, man, it's so good to see you. Um, Quentin, thank you so much for um, being on Crossing the Line today. I, I'm excited about this. I've been excited about it because I know you, and and I know who you are, and i watched your leadership grow. I've watched your impact a superstar on the football field, a superstar on the Auburn Radio Network, Superstar with Alabama power, and here you are doing a podcast with me. I can't believe it, and uh, thank you,
1: thank you. For well, me. well, your family, and uh, and mm-hmm. we've we've grown uh, together, and you've taught me a lot, and a lot about myself, uh, understanding myself, um, and understanding my teams, the people I lead, the people I spend time with, and uh, no one would know or believe that I am a turtle, you know, and so <laughs> and so, and I embrace that.
0: Well, if you're wondering what he's talking about here, uh, being a turtle, it's the Make a Difference uh, personality profile and, and work that we do with um, executives and companies and, and families. And So you can find out more about that if you'll check out our show notes. We'll drop a link uh, to our website at Eagle Center for Leadership, and you can actually go to where it says Take the Test and find out uh, what animal you are. And then if you're really interested, you can go ahead and read our book called Make a Difference.
1: And and <laughs> And so one of the fun things about it, when I discovered that, and I actually uh, took, um, you know, just a description of the turtle and everything, and I shared it with my wife, then she understood that, you know, after going out uh, and, you know, even giving a speech or being on the radio, having to go be by myself to recharge the batteries, yep. uh, she understood and more importantly, now my daughter understands. I said, hey, give me a minute. Let me go down the basement, watch a couple uh, you know, shows alone and then come back up. I'm good. But, but the relationship mm-hmm. with you taught me a lot. And, and, and I continue to use those lessons today.
0: Mm, Quentin, I tell you that that is brilliant. I just love the fact that, that you continue to learn and grow as all great leaders do. And, one of the things I've always noticed about you is you don't miss much. It's why you you were great on the Auburn network because you knew exactly what was going on at all times. But even in a relationship and a conversation, that turtle wisdom, that turtle insight that you possess is uh, is really gold. And it's a real gift that you have. You're you're so observant. It's not a strong enough word. You you have that insight. of What you don't you don't miss. You don't miss much uh, in in terms of what's going on in 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 people's relationships, what's going on around you, what's going on in conversation, and that's such a gift today when when we seem to have a hard time listening and hearing other people. You know,
1: so one one of the things that I, I share with my my young leaders and and what I practice today, uh, when I walk into a meeting and uh, I'm okay uh, listening for the first few minutes of that meeting, I'm okay. Not talking the first part of that that meeting, or you know, watching others because you know you listen, of course, with your ears, but you also listen with your eyes, mm. and, and you see and you read and 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 try to understand what's going on.
0: I'm going to tell you that is an incredible insight right there from from this turtle with a lot of wisdom. Listen with your ears and listen with your eyes. Uh, man, I could do a better job of that. I don't know about you.
1: And so I, I, you know, I've been in meetings with political leaders, governor, um, chief of governors, chief of staff, and cap, some cabinet members, and I've been invited with my leadership with the power company, and I'm sitting there, and we're listening, we're just talking about key issues, and, le- and I'm listening, and, you know, when the meeting's over, with, you know, I'm able to go and say, hey, here's what they said, here's what they didn't say, and I think that's wow. important when you're... In your daily meetings, as you're leading your people, you're going to have some people who are going to be the first to speak, which is fine. Uh, and But then you're going to have some folks who are not, and just know that it's not that they're not engaged. It's the way that they are uh, communicating and mm. the way they're receiving uh, the information that you're providing.
0: Dang, Quentin, we've been in this thing for less than a minute, and you already giving nuggets of gold out. I love it. Thank you. It's so, it's so true, though. You know, you, they, people communicate in different ways, and we, if we can only hear in the way in which we communicate, we miss so much. Well, that's yeah. brilliant. All right, take me, let, let's let's go back because I want, I really want to hear your story. I want to hear what made you the leader you are today. And then we're going to get to, we'll get to what's going on in today's world. But I want to hear, I want to hear from you. Let's go back to a day in the life of, of Q, a day in the life of Quentin Riggs as a child, as a six, eight year old. Tell us a little bit about what that was like.
1: So probably the, probably the best description of me, uh, uh, two great parents, uh, you know, Dad was an educator, uh, you know, my mom worked, uh, you know, you both, both of them actually worked at Tuskegee uh, in oh, corporate extension okay. service. And, and so uh, we lived in Montgomery County and where we lived in, in the county, we are probably about 30 minutes from downtown uh, Tuskegee main campus. It was Tuskegee Institute at the time. And so, and I had one brother, he's uh, older, uh, 13 months older, and, uh, but at the, the best description of kind of what, um, shaped me, uh, when I got really turned 16 and I started playing sports late, uh, seventh, eighth grade. And I was really wasn't a big you know, in the football and basketball. I just watched my brother play and I said, Oh, that, you know, that looks pretty, <laughs> that looks pretty fun. Um, but when I was 16 and 17, when I was turned 16, um, my dad was, t- took me to McDonald's, uh, to get me, a you know, a burger for my birthday. And while we're up at the counter, uh, the manager comes out. Hey, Mr. Riggins, how you doing? And that's uh, fine, fine. Is this your son? Yeah. And so uh, we place the order. We go sit down so forth. And uh, we, we're eating. And here, here the manager comes out. And the manager he goes, hey, okay, here you go, Mr. Riggins. Here, here's, his, here's his application. And um, all he needs to do is just fill it out and turn it back in. Uh, when do you want him to start working? And, uh, he said he could start tomorrow. And so the, you know, <laughs> so I started working at McDonald's at 16 and after every practice with football, basketball, whatever, you know, I, I went to work and I worked through the weekends and so forth, worked till I went to college. And when I was being recruited at Auburn, um, the, um, and I, and I understand I've been working for two year, two and a half years. I, mean, I guess two years, and it was, a, it was I, I'll never forget. It was 1985. Uh, Bo Jackson, Auburn's is playing Southwest Louisiana. is is opening game of his and Trophy campaign. I get the first time I ever been on campus, and here it is. Like I'm, I'm going to remember that I'm going up there as a recruit, right? And so. My dad says, you know, to make a long story short to uh, the recruiters that we're not going to be able to stay for the full game. And I said, well, you know, they're going through our itinerary. Look, you know, we're going to have breakfast. We're going to do this. You know, um, at halftime, you're gonna, we're going to take you underneath the eat, And then, you know, at the end of the game, we'll take you to the locker room to meet coach and meet some of the players. And my dad said, I appreciate that. But we got to get back to Montgomery. And, uh, and so they said, well, well, why? Well, uh, he, he has to be at McDonald's. He's got a job. He's got to be there at five o'clock. And, and, you know, what I didn't, what I didn't understand at the time was, you know, when I was when I was turning 16, he wanted to teach me, you know, the values of work mm. and, you know, yes, you want to play, Football, yes, you want to play basketball, but there's another side of things that you know I want to teach you. And then when I got to Auburn, there was another lesson, or at least being recruited by Auburn. Uh, as important of opportunity this was a scholarship offer, meeting a coach, meeting players, and so forth, you have a bigger commitment. You you have to be back at your job at five o'clock and we're gonna make that appointment. Wow. Little did I know. That uh, Coach Dye was the coach at Auburn at the time, and he shares this story that when he met us, we, matter of fact, the the person who recruited me was Coach Dye's daughter. She was the 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 host. She took me to meet Coach for prior to kick, which nobody got to do. And 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 he went through the itinerary just like the other other coaches. And my dad stale, uh, stood firm and said, "Coach, appreciate it, you know, but." When Scott got to get back to my government halftime and I got to give him back for, for his job. And little did I know that that was one of the deciding factors in, cause I was an undersized linebacker and I made mm-hmm. plays, but I wasn't the, the six, two, six, three, you know, 230 pound linebacker, you know, six feet, 190 pounds soaking wet. But he said, if that, if, if, if it was more important for them to leave, and get back and go to work. Yeah, and keep that word and keep that commitment. Then I got to have that guy on my team. Wow!
0: Now that uh what a story! What a story of legacy that your dad began putting in you. Begin, begin building that that work ethic, the responsibility. Do what you say you're going to do. Uh, way back when he took you to McDonald's at, at 16 years old and stood firm the whole time.
1: The 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 the, the biggest lesson: what what no matter what comes before you, if you've given your word, Mm. if you've given your commitment, then um, you gotta honor it. Even Mm. if something comes along the way that you really wanna do, and you've made that commitment, you gotta honor it. And and so if, if there's anything that I could tell you that kinda shaped me along the way, that was probably one of the most impressionable moments for me because i really wanted to stay for that full game i mean i really wanted to meet i really want to meet bo jackson you know and uh and these guys that that watch on tv yeah and by the end of that game i was i was flipping burgers
0: (laughs) 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 wow what a what a a simple but profound uh, leadership nugget there. Keep your word, honor your word and the humility and uh, the willingness of, of Quentin to share that story that impacted and, and framed his leadership journey is truly remarkable.
1: And so, uh, but it, 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 it was a great lesson and, uh, and, and, and one of the things that, that um, coach used to do on Thursdays and Fridays Of home games, he would take seniors um, in in the in that class, and each week he'd tell stories about those seniors. So the players would know their teammates Mm, and know their stories. Mm. He picked different things to tell you about this person, and and things that you 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 probably didn't know Mm -hmm. or you didn't understand. Mm -hmm. And he told that story about me, and you know, and so. Wow. You, 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 you want, you want people to remember if you're going to come across their path is that, 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 Dr. Larry Lowe's a good guy. And let me tell you why, you know? And so you want to have that impression and you want to leave an impressionable mark. And, and so, so coach used to do that to leave Mark, to tell people, you know, stories about each other. And that was the one he told about me.
0: I mean, and it was brilliant. It's a brilliant story. It says, it says so much, not only about your work ethic, giving, doing what you say, but it also says a lot about your lack of arrogance and, and your uh, willingness to to be who you are and to try to watch you truly invest in others around you. Did, were your parents growing up I and mean, you, you know, you guys were in sports and those kind of things, but, but you lived out in the, you lived kind of out in the county. Is that right? Kind of out, yeah. of, out, out in the yeah. county. Yep. What did you do for fun? What What was it like when you were growing up as a kid out there? What tell me Tell me what it was kind of like. So, so in,
1: we we were, um, they referred to us as the Riggin boys, <laughs> and so not quite the Riggins, but the Riggin boys. Riggin boys and yeah. uh, we we would we would play in the street. You know, we would play, you know, football. We would play uh, basketball. We would go up. Then we had a um, sort of like a little field. It wasn't very big. We played softball. Uh, my brother loved to fish. Uh, I was not the fisherman, and I'd go and ruin his time fishing. And so, <laughs> and and we had great neighbors, uh, and and uh, and a lot of kids are in our age group. And so, you know, we had we had a great uh, upbringing of just a family-oriented community. So, if you know Quentin and Marlon got around the street. And we broke a window by throwing the ball around before we got home. That my parents knew it, <laughs> <laughs> That's great. and yeah. so and so it was it was one of those that community raised you, and so you knew you know Mrs. Grayson down the street, you knew uh, uh, Mrs. Muse up the street, and you knew the people in the community, and they knew us. And so it was it was a it was a great family environment a lot of educators uh, a lot of professors at alabama state um some at tuskegee and so so we we got an education you know growing up whether Mm -hmm. it was in our house uh or or if it was not we got we got education
0: so you can let me ask you this and you can you can say pass if you want yeah but but are you and marlon were you close growing up and are you still close today
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, uh, he, you know, so I was not into sports and, you know, so we, we started sports late. My brother came and, and started playing C team football and I was just in, I was in, I was in sixth grade watching okay. and, and he was making plays and he was having fun. He had, he, what I really liked is he had a bunch of friends. He had a bunch of teammates and, uh, and it's kind of hard to explain if, if once you've been on a team and you come off that field and you're hugging your teammate or you're laughing, you know, it's just, it, it is hard to duplicate in any other form. And so then transitioning from football, I watched them do it in basketball, you know, in a little bit more intimate setting. You could just hear the conversations, you could you could you you get down when they lose and you see how hard that they played. And then when they when they win and put it together and watch the, the progression, all that sucked me in. And so watching him participate, I I came out and said, I I wanna do that. You know I want to I w I wanna I wanna I wanna play football. I wanna play basketball. I wanna have friends like that mm. but, uh and and interact and with other kids and so so he kind of opened that door and opened my eyes uh to that whole sports world
0: wow that's awesome that now where's Marlon today
1: yeah so so today he's in Chattanooga well he went to Tennessee Chattanooga this is another story he went to Tennessee Chattanooga and um of course uh my very first game at Auburn uh, I played against him he 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 <laughs> <laughs> so so in 1986 Auburn played UTC Tennessee Chattanooga and um he was wow. a safety. And I was a I was a linebacker, and the very first. Uh, and now he's gonna he's gonna deny this, but the very first, <laughs> my very I, I played I played the tackle on the punt team, and so I went down uh, in coverage, and the very first tackle ever made, he he blocked me or clipped me into the play. Now he will say that he <laughs> blocked <laughs> me. Yeah, he will say he blocked. me. I will say he clipped me. Now the deciding factor was the referee who threw the flag. Did he and throw so, the flag? He got a flag. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. <laughs> and, and 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 so so I got to play my very first football game, collegiate football game against my brother. And so uh so he loves Chattanooga, and uh and that's that where awesome. yeah,
0: yeah. So, Tim Marlin will have him on and he can give his defense of that. Yeah. <laughs> that's right, that's right. He'll definitely have a defense. That's right. Well, tell us about your bride. Where did you meet your bride and tell us that story?
1: So so Kimmy uh grew up in Seattle, Washington. Uh, she had, uh, uh has family in Choctaw County, Alabama, maternal uh-huh. grandmother. And at this time I was actually in Canada and I was playing, uh, for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, she was a senior at university, of Alabama. And my, my brother and her cousin were doing, were going summer school at Alabama state. And they said, Hey, why don't we try to introduced these two to each other Ah. and so we met by blind date and so for three months this you know before you know zoom calls and FaceTiming, we met uh through uh a i think twice long distance phone call from from canada and then through correspondence mail and uh and this was 1990 and so i came back to do, the Auburn Southern Miss game on on uh, TV, and that was homecoming. Brett Favre was was the quarterback at Southern Miss, and then it was Alabama's homecoming. And that and after the game, we met for the first time in '90 face to face. So it was blind date. Wow. Now, I now it, I will tell you, she is about as hardcore Alabama. As you can that's be, right. that's right. And and dug in. And we do not talk football. We do not talk softball uh, in this household because well, it gets can, pretty rough.
0: Gymnastics, nothing. We don't talk no. anything. No. You, no, no, no. you could no. talk a little equestrian, but you know that might. That's, be. It. that's, yeah.
1: that's <laughs> it. And I warn people: do not talk about all that football because it, 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 you go downhill. Yeah.
0: So as we're recording this, yeah, um, the Iron Bowl is th- this coming Saturday. What does that look like in the Riggins' home?
1: So I, I I started yesterday because Madison is it's all Auburn, our daughter, and and so she called me to warn me that hey, mom wants the TV, and so <laughs> I said so I said so what does that mean? She said I don't know. It's two of us, one of her. I said so I said still, what does that mean? I said because you're gonna go back to school. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the <laughs> wisdom of the turtle once again. I mean, there it well, is.
1: Well, I, yeah, you know, you, you got to listen with your eyes and listen and listen with your ears. I could, I know where my daughter was taking me. I know, I wasn't gonna go there. No. I love it. I love
0: it. So, so Quentin, you you got out of you went to Auburn. You had a great run while you were at Auburn when you went there, and and just in, and in so many different ways. And and what, you were a leader. You were a leader on the field. You were a leader off the field. That's so evident to all of us who who follow Auburn football, but more than that, you, you left and then you took kind of pick it up when you, you got out of Auburn and walk us through your, your, your career.
1: Oh gosh. Um, so like, like I uh, played in um, like, like most kids, you know, when you go through football and and you want to go play in the pros and so forth again, back to when Auburn recruitment, I wasn't big enough. And, uh, but I went through the the all the the tryouts and everything. Played uh, in Canadian football. They, you know, I liked them. They liked me. Um, I did not like their general manager.
0: Okay, Quentin's about to give you some insight to um, how he is wired, to his character, to his integrity. He's about to share uh, some very hard things, a, a decision that he had to make uh, uh, based on the lack of integrity of, uh, of a general manager, but it's really insightful. So, um, don't miss this.
1: And, um, I'll never forget. I played Winnipeg Blue Bombers and a guy by the name of Cal Murphy, uh, was the general manager up there. And this was, uh, 90. And, uh, in, he had a method where, you know, if he could, if he had similar, um, talented players and one player made less money and, and similar, he would play the player that made less money even though he may not have been the best player for, you know, the team or at least start stardom. Number two, so typically as you grow up, if, if that person is the best player, that player, that player plays. Right. You know, and right. so in, in his eyes, if I could you know get away with playing the second best player because he made less money that's what I was going to do and that was that was his business decision and and he made business decisions off of that. The problem with that is the morale that that you problems that you create when you know okay this guy over here is playing luck now, number one practicing lights out. number two when he gets in the game is performing. Mm-hmm. But then the next week or two, because of your your thinking, you sit them down and play a lesser player and you lose that game. Mm. And so um it was one of those really interesting things that I had to I thought about along the way. how do I deal with this? I've never dealt with you know here it is that I've always been in the environment if you work hard and you stay out of trouble, that you get rewarded right along the way right and in this instance that was that was not the the system so uh of course I called my dad and said hey here's what's going on and he said well you know have you ever thought about talking to him and just go see him to see him. I said well I I said no I, I just go talk to him and just say you're, you're talking to players you know and they may not no, and you're not hearing it from the general man. Just go we'll talk to the general man and see what he says. Can't hurt. Yeah. And and that's what I did. And so I went to see him. And he's, you know, he was an older guy. I bet then he was like in his 70s and had a cigar. And it, he was like, oh, yeah, you know, he just short and just, you know, uh, will, will present himself as impatient, didn't really want to have the meeting, they want to have a conversation. And what I first did, though, I talked to the coach, and the coach says, listen, you know, you're doing great. Cause I asked, what can I do to, 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 to get on the field, to, to help the team? He said, You're doing great, keep doing what you're doing, you know, just keep working, it'll happen, it'll happen. Just, you know. And the coach at the time was Mike Riley. And so and he was a great coach, great person, and gave me a lot of great advice. And so I went in to see the general manager. And he just said, look, hey, I can play Williams and, you know, he doesn't make as much as you. And I can play Randolph and he can give me the same, you know, he doesn't make as much as you and so forth, you know, but, you know, we'll we'll get there, we'll get there. And I said, but if I'm producing when I'm playing, I'm on the active roster, then, you know, shouldn't I play? Well, we don't do it like that, you know, and it never gave me really a substantive answer. Mm. so i knew i knew from my one-time meeting with him that this was not a place for me yeah and i just said uh and and what he did and and i'm sure it's probably the same way that once you're on the actor roster you still are you know uh, uh, attached to the team mm-hmm. and under contract and but when they release you they and they cut you they, they release you out of the contract. So to move you to practice squads, as long as you don't sign the practice squad, practice squad contract, you're free to go. And I knew that they were creating a new league uh, in uh, a world league uh, that was starting up. So as soon as the next time, I just made up my mind um, and I told my teammates, I said, listen, uh, you know, I, I can't be a part of an organization that does not, value their their folks and and the next time that i am released i'm i'm, I'm gone head back to the states and every one of them uh my teammates said no you're not doing it. you're not gonna do that and he the, the two weeks later he did and what i did i went clean out my locker i auburn had just sent me a bunch of brand new um uh, cleats uh, turf cleats, the Nike, they were very nice. And I went to the different, uh, folks who I had met along the way that I really liked and gave my shoes. They said, what are you doing? I said, I'm gone. And, uh, I, I, I wish y'all nothing but the best, but wow, I'm gone. God. We won the great cup that year. And somebody asked, did you go get a ring? I said, oh no. <laughs> uh, I, you know, uh, to me, if you don't value somebody, or if you don't, show that you understand their value or reinforce their value, you're going to lose that person. That's right. Quentin. You may not lose them that first time, Mm -hmm. but at the end, you're going to lose that person. And there was nothing that I felt that the general manager could do to for in in my eyes to restore that breach of trust. So
0: you you came back, Quentin, you came back, like you said, you were going to, do. what happened next?
1: So I went to the I went to the um, I went to the World League. Played for the Rotterdam Skyhawks. Y'all may know a guy by the name of Roman Gabriel. He was he was my wow. coach, wow. and uh, and you know I went from winning three SEC championships on the Coach style. I was on a team in Canada won the Grey Cup, and we got to the World League, and we went zero oh. ten. <laughs> oh my uh, goodness, zero and ten. I loved the research triangle. I love the Raleigh Durham uh, area. It was beautiful right before it exploded. Got a chance to go to London, Scotland, travel overseas. It was just, it was just a great time. Uh, and so, but I was four classes from graduating. And I, I had, the very first game I had gotten hurt and I had surgery, but I came back, finished up the season, played, loved every bit of it. But then I knew, and I, I knew that uh, I had to turn the page in this mm. football life. Okay. And it was time. And get on. It was time, and no one had to tell me when it was time. It was. It was time. Mm. So I came back to Auburn, finished, and then um, I did something I never thought I'd never heard about. Really, fully followed politi- Politics didn't know anything about politics. Didn't know anything about, you know the, you know, the differences between Republicans and Democrats, the difference between a merit system job or an appointee. And so I learned all of that pretty quick. Um, and, 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 uh, my first job and, uh, I, I went in and worked for, um, with Stan McDonald and he was the revenue commissioner under, um, uh, republican republican governor guy hunt and three months after i took the job he was fired uh and and so i'm still like working in my office and he was fired the whole place was pretty much you know, all the appointees were basically shown the door and i did not know and so the um one day the appointee the new appointee, it uh, a revenue commissioner and the finance director called over was asking for some, some, some materials from the department. And so they, they, they offered, Hey, do you want to talk to the commissioner or Stan McDonald? And, and that response was if there are any appointees left, they need to hit the door. I cleaned it up. I cleaned up the, the, wow. the, 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 um, the demand and and we cleaned up. And the one thing that happened because you know when you're young and you get an office and you bring all your stuff and you know you pack it up, you know your pictures and mementos, and I took some of my stuff to the car and and of course I was a a, a young employee, so I I parked probably as far away from the building <laughs> as you could park, and so I came back in with my second box and the the office secretaries were crying and everything. It was like really oh bad. God. And I had to go back and pack up some more of my stuff. And I said to myself then, God willing, if I ever get another job or opportunity, I will I will put only enough stuff in my office that I can make one trip to the college. <laughs> and, <so, laughs> and so to, to this day, I, I, if if Alabama Power sends me, to, I take my, my 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 pictures off the wall. But, and, and then uh i take my name that's it i, I mean it will, it, 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 you won't see a whole lot of things after that so well, that's
0: a great leadership lesson right yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. one box yeah, yeah.
1: No, one don't box. be too comfortable
0: i love it I, I think that defines who you are you're so well respected uh in the business community and in in auburn's community but way beyond that uh in in so many different areas so let's talk about that for a minute Uh, help us and give us some of your wisdom because you got a lot of it. It's been a tough year. It's been, it's been tough because of the pandemic. We're all trying to figure that out, you know, in mask, no mask, whatever. But, but on top of that, the civil unrest that has come to light. Um, And it's, it's different Quentin, in terms of the way I feel it and see it. I mean, it's, it's, it's something that I think has been bubbling, but that tragedy that occurred with, with George Floyd back was just that, that, that was so significant but that was just a in my in my world it's just a tipping point to say something we, we've got to do something talk to me talk talk to us give us your perspective as an african-american guy who has a credible leadership has made it in this life has has uh, influenced so many others what do we need to be doing right now give, give us your take Okay, whatever you're doing, lean in right here, focus right here, and and really catch this because uh, he has so much wisdom to share, and this is this is really really impactful. I don't want you to miss it, so lean in right here and listen to Quentin for just a minute.
1: I I think I think the biggest thing that I would say is just like I was comfortable as a turtle coming into a meeting, uh, uh you know a very important meeting, and listen. Um, listen to what people are saying, you know, verbally as it, you know, some of these conversations that you're having that we're having on social justice on race and so forth are hard conversations and because uh, a lot of people don't want to, to make a mistake. And, and, and they want to be thoughtful. They want to understand, and and they're the other side. Of people, they're people who are trying to understand, and and they don't want to be uh, viewed negatively. And so the, the main part of this is 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 to me it's listen to mm-hmm. what people are saying uh, verbally, and then listen to what they're uh, are saying or communicating with their body language, mm. and they're saying it a lot. And so. Um, you know, we've Zeke has done a great job, my boss Zeke Smith has done a great job of leading our team and having those conversations. And one of our, one of our leaders, uh, you know, said, look, I want to have a conversation, but I'm afraid by having that conversation, I'm going to make a mistake. And, um, uh, and And another vice president comes back and said, we have to extend grace, you know, to one another mm. as we're having those conversations. That's what's lacking today. I, I think that we're quickly run to our our political corners and we don't run to those you know um, Christian corners
0: oh wow
1: where you know we know what is right and what's wrong and we're quick to put our political hat on first if we leave that alone and we you know, we trust each other as we have in these conversations and we listen, I think we can we can we could truly make make inroads. It, they're going to, it's, it's not gonna happen overnight. And we have to understand that. We're not gonna understand things overnight. We're gonna make mistakes along the way.
0: That's right.
1: But if we are patient and we commit ourselves to understanding and listening we will, we will, we will come out better. Um, you know, the best the best experience, uh or one of the best experiences I've had has been on a football team, been in a locker room. And you meet people from all different walks of life, uh, rich, poor, black, white, the Democrat, Republican, all the, the uh, you know, across the board, and it's a melting pot. And you come together for a reason. And we were trying to win championships. We were trying to win games. And we were competing. And and we, and we were offering up our talent and abilities in different ways. And some of us were offensive linemen. Some of us were linebackers. But we looked and we listened to each other. And we found common ground. Mm. That's what we have to do today. Wow. So, so... Um, what what we did is we took different leaders throughout their company, and we asked them to tell their story over two a two or three minute story, mm. and um, some stories lasted longer than that, and others did not. And it was in a, and it's an attempt for you to get to know me, Quentin Riggins, you know. And so uh, so I I, I told the story. Uh, that very few people did not know about me. And in in an attempt to hopefully allow people to say, wow, okay, I see why he thinks the way he thinks, or I see why he may react to a George Ford story a little bit differently than me. And so I told a story about, um, you know, everybody knows about Rosa Parks and her not giving up her bus seat. Well, a few months prior to her, there was a lady named Claudette Colvin who did not give up her bus seat either in Montgomery and in, in a similar area. And on that bus with Miss Colvin was a lady by the name of Dorothy Patrick and who now today is Dorothy Patrick Riggins, and my mom. And so, so she watched as Miss Colvin did not want to give up her bus seat the bus driver called the police, multiple police come on the bus and they they literally drag her off and they, they put her in the car. And they, I mean, they're roughing her up all along the way. And so, uh, which was, as my mom would say, it was very frightening, the whole experience. But even to go a step further, uh, a couple of days later, uh, Civil rights attorney Fred Gray comes and knocks at my mom's door, and and says, "I have your name as a witness to what happened or what transpired, um, you know, on the bus," and and she was a witness to you know, she could identify the officers. She had to go to court, and they had prep, and so so that this is her experience. So imagine two young, you know. A uh, high school kids getting ready to go off to college, one to Chattanooga, one to Auburn. And what she is telling us, hey, here's how I want you to conduct yourself if you ever stop by the police. And so here's what I'm afraid of. You know, I don't want y'all to do this. I don't, and so I share my story with my colleagues and my my AP CO family so they could understand what I may see through my eyes when I see Floyd. And that's what we got to do. And we got to be comfortable sharing a little bit of ourselves, knowing that that could be looked at or judged, but understanding you want somebody else to have an understanding of what you're going through. And that, and that's what we have to do and and share a little grace along the way as we're doing it.
0: Uh, Quentin, uh, an amazing story, and you never know who has been touched uh, by this this evil of racism that we continue to fight against. And here you shared a very vulnerable and transparent story of of your family who was very literally, very literally touched. What a great example of you! Just don't know unless you listen. You just don't know.
1: You just listen, and then and then as as we're all learning together, you know, we all want the same things. You know, and and we just we have to find a way. We're on the same team. You know, we may be playing different positions. That's right. And and we want we want a lot of the same things. We just have to be, I think, um, patient, listen, talk to one another, and understand, and then back off of the judgment or jumping to conclusions particularly with our teams that we lead when we have our teams that we lead we got to be even more so understanding on. and we got to we got to allow the people that we lead we got to talk to them but we have to listen mm-hmm. and uh, and I can't tell you how important that is is listen to your own team and listen to what they're not saying and that's the hardest thing to do listen to what they're not saying
0: what a great leadership moment. Listen to what they're not saying. Uh, and, and incredible. And and I think with your, your perspective and your wisdom and your influence, I, I know you're, you're making an, an incredible difference uh, on your team and, and with all those within your circle of influence. And I, I want to, I, I, unfortunately I want to talk all day to you is what I want to do because I, I love you and I love hearing yeah. from you. And, but we got to, we got to wrap this thing up. So what I want you to do is, is think about those aspiring young leaders who are who are trying to make it um, in, in this world. And they're, they're trying to, be, you know, they're trying to, to become influencers. They're, they're trying to figure out who they are. What would you tell them? What are some things they need to know as they make their way uh, into this world of leadership and, and, and their careers, but what do these aspiring young leaders need to know? So, um,
1: this, I, I believe this, and it, and it's not necessarily, you know, about the different leadership things to do, but I would, I would, I would say this, um, put family first. If, if you have an opportunity to coach your daughter softball team, do it. Mm. Um, if if you have to choose between going to this conference opposed to making that basketball game or volleyball game, go to the game. Mm. Um, what you, what you learn and the peace that you get from your family growth and, and, being involved helps you become the leader that you are. Uh, And and, um, the, the lessons that I've learned coaching uh, darling softball, That's there are the six year olds, the seven year olds and the eight year olds and, and, you know, going in and teaching and, and listening to them from, the pretty cool cheers to, hey, hey, we can't do that cheer. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, and the excitement when they play and the heartbreak when they lose Mm. are all things that you can apply to the office. And so when you're going out and you be pitching, you know, a company on what you're doing, a product, a service and so forth, and you win, the excitement that comes with that. And then the disappointment, so I would tell you any young leader, I, I I had a job when I when I went to work for the speaker's office, and a guy that I'm very friends now, he was chief of staff, he he was he was tough. And he would have us in the office and it's seven o'clock, seven thirty on a Friday night, you know, and I'm missing that that family time.
0: Yeah. And I
1: had I had a, you know, an arm baby. And I said, if I've if I gotten a leadership position, the one thing I want people to do is take care of the families. So if, the, if, if it's an eye appointment, dentist appointment, um, when you show that you have a commitment that you're gonna run and take your kid over here, yeah. or you're gonna run and pick up your kid from school, tells me more about you uh, than anything possible. Mm. And, and I'm I'm more apt to come and grab you and recruit you if I see that you're having to take your kid over to travel ball, and mm. come back, mm. and and you're in the office that next day, crushing it, killing it, and and so forth. Then the person who doesn't.
0: Yeah, you you uh you grew up with a great example with your dad uh, around that, didn't you?
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, it, between. My brother's football schedule and basketball, mine and track and everything, he probably missed like three games <laughs> in about four yeah. years. And not counting, not counting all my football stuff and everything. But when you when you have that, when you have home, and everything's not perfect. You know, because we have right. illnesses, we have things that happen that we have to deal with sure, along I, the way. Absolutely. But if if you're if you're handling that. And because I know you love that, I know you care for that, and that matters to you, then you're definitely going to handle the office. Mm, I love it.
0: Quentin, you are amazing. I hope you'll do this again with me, will you? Can we do it again? Absolutely. We're going to do it soon. Hey, my friend, thank you for taking the time to share your wisdom, your insight. You are amazing. You're a hero in so many ways, and a hero to me, that's for sure, but to so many others for for who you are and how you lead and, and how you love Thank you, my brother, and uh, I just appreciate all you've you've said today, and we'll look forward to, to connecting again soon. Thanks for being with us today, Quentin Riggins. Thank you, Larry. Well, there you have it. Um, what an insightful uh, conversation with Quentin. He is, he's really amazing. He challenged us to, to keep our word and, and, and to honor our word, to have grace and to allow people to mess up in difficult times with difficult conversations and allow them to make mistakes, uh, to, to find common ground, to, to move forward regardless of our ethnicity or, or our backgrounds. And and he, he, he told us to, to, to get comfortable sharing our own stories and, and, uh, and made a, us to really stop and think about uh, how our stories impact who we are even today and then to be there for our family, be there for those we love. So think about this. What if the leaders of today took those principles and applied them uh, to their leadership? I tell you, the world would be a better place. But what if we took those and applied them to our lives? I think we'd be better leaders as well thank you so much for listening in to crossing the line i certainly appreciate it i hope you enjoyed this i hope it was helpful and i look forward to you joining us on our next episode of crossing the line in order to make a difference in the lives of others